Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Dad's Podcast. Uh, Dr. David and I are having so much fun uh, connecting with each other. And literally, you know, we said this before, but we spend a good 20, 30 minutes often connecting uh, offline um, before we press record because there's so much, so much stuff to connect on. And obviously, the, the world is constantly changing. Him and I keep diving into you know, the different things that we're excited about. And it just becomes this like, you know, maybe we should start recording like the, the moment we say hello and have that as like a little mini, like fun little bonus one. And then I don't know. But anyways, David, so good to see you, buddy. You too, brother. It's crazy how time flies. I felt like we were just chatting for like 10, 15 minutes and it's been a half hour, right? Yeah. It's but crazy. it goes to show you, like you were saying last week, like we, we get to catch up every week, but it just feels like there's so much to talk about, right? I know. Totally. Well, it's something. So I'm I mean, excited, man. Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to get into too much. Why I reached out to my to my brother from another mother uh, this this week, and maybe it'll be a topic for a future episode. But um, yeah, I just want to say I appreciate you, David. I I got a chance to like feel some feels, like we all do. And as men, like often we don't, we're not, you know, dialoguing on it. Sometimes we just sit with it and muscle through and. And obviously, I'm in touch with my emotional center, but sometimes there's things that I feel are sensitive, and I and I don't uh, I don't share them. And but anyways, I, I reached out to my buddy here, and shared some of the challenges that I was uh, feeling uh, emotionally. And there's uh, uh, little Diego. Um, hey, buddy. <laughs> David's beautiful son is uh, waving into the the camera. So um, got home from school. Oh, nice. Daddy, a hug. Nice. But, uh, but I, you know, I got a chance to reach out to you and just share some stuff. And, and I, and the interesting thing that I share with you just today too, is that, you know, part of the, I think part of the turmoil that we feel emotionally is just because like we're, we're feeling something, but we're, maybe we're not feeling comfortable enough to share it. So anyways, I shared it with David and he just, you know, came back with an open heart, open mind, and just was really able to receive what I was sharing. And, gave me some amazing feedback did uh did his wizardry and tuned into my my physiology my my emotionology and was able to sort of pinpoint some areas that that i needed to pay attention to so just yeah i just want to say it's important for us to be able to have you know conversations like this but also a good reminder for for people who are tuning in like sometimes we just need to like share what's on our heart instead of keeping it in because it can be a a toxin to us it could be a source of stress right so important right like you know my my big thing i tell people you know when when we're focused on certain things in life and our attention is there that that's where all your energy is going to go and like what nick's saying is it, it it helps a ton sometimes when you just have somebody that you can communicate and confide in to to honestly like push some of that energy elsewhere <laughs> so that yeah. somebody can filter it and then kind of be a soundboard for yourself so they can, it can filter through and then have somebody be very, honestly, very objective off what you're telling them to just maybe give you some insight. And like you said, buddy, a lot of times you just need to, it just needs to be spoken. That mm -hmm. energy just needs to start moving because it's yeah. being bottled up. 
you know, and when these emotions, I think when we, when we don't have these people or, or, or these opportunities to do that, it's like emotional cysts, right? That energy just starts balling up and then yeah. it starts to eat away at us, you know, and, and not only can it cause like emotional distress and, and a little bit of turmoil for us, but if it stays there long enough, it causes physical, you know, health issues. Yeah. So happy to do it, man. Um, you know, I've been very blessed to learn from a lot of really, really talented, gifted uh, doctors and healers and shamans and, you know, how to help people pinpoint what those things are sometimes depending on the theme. And then sometimes we're not even conscious, right? Like yeah. you were very aware, which helped of what kind of was going on with you. But some people, they're just like really stressed out emotionally and mentally and they don't know why because it's more of a subconscious thing playing on in the background so i've been blessed to learn from some of these docs and i help people pinpoint what's going on in the subconscious we find the theme and then they're able to dial it down to what what's the theme and what's resonating emotionally that's causing most of the distress and the turmoil mm -hmm. and then once we get there it's just moving a lot of times into acceptance like we were talking last week and then there's actionable items after that Mm -hmm. So I always tell my patients when I do similar things, like with what I helped you with, I'm like, I got you 99% of the way there. All you got to do is actionably take, you know, take the next step kind of deal. Mm -hmm. So happy to do it, man. I mean, you've done that for me before, you know, and so important. So for our listeners, you need to have somebody outside of that bubble, that, that inner bubble you live in uh, every day to kind of like vent or just have a soundboard or just have that connection and, Brother, I love you. Thank you for being there for me as well for, for stuff like that. Absolutely. Well, and it it's not directly tied to the theme of what we want to talk about today, but but it sort of does because when something lingers in our emotional body, you know, that's triggering a stress response, which makes it really hard to heal. And so, you know, what really what we want to talk about today is like activating your main repair hormone, the, the hormone that helps with longevity, with building muscle, with recovery uh just but just turning you into like a, a super healing monster which is which is what we want and, and a lot of these little things that maybe we are aware of like let's say muscle injury or injury uh there'd be a role for this hormone but but it's all these other things like it's recovery across the board toxicity recovery uh gut microbiome infection recovery to you know, obviously the, the joint and musculoskeletal system, but also the emotional system. If we're constantly stuck in a state of trauma, we're probably not activating this hormone. So what's the hormone, buddy? Growth hormone, brother. Human growth hormone. You know, I talk about this a lot. You know, um, it's interesting. A lot of people, this is where they're struggling. This is why they're not healing, right? Um, yeah. So I think we should start uh, bef before we dive into the intricacies of here. I'm explaining to people from a hormone pathway type place, you cannot be in catabolism and an anabolism at the same time. Mm -hmm. Your body has to pick one or the other. Okay. So what I explain to a lot of people, what happens of why we're not healing, why we're not repairing, why we're not recovering. And then even for people who have a lot of hormone imbalances and like progesterone and estrogen and, and, you know, growth hormone, like which what we're going to talk about today it's because they're stuck on this catabolic side all the time. There's a chronic state of stress in the body and you're always shunted uh, into what's called pregnenolone steel. And you're constantly dumping cortisol and cortisone out all day long. Yeah. And then the body's never getting to move back to that other side, to the anabolic state 
where it can build all these precursors and, and these building blocks for progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, growth hormone, all these things that we need to heal and repair. Um, so important topic today. I mean, we're going to talk about how this benefits us in the gym and other things like that. But the reality for healing, like Nick is saying in recovery, this is kind of what we're talking about. We always talk about removing interference. And so to get here, you a lot of times have to make sure that you're not living this chronically stressful life because a lot of times we are doing it to ourselves. And we're going to talk mm -hmm. quite a bit about that today because I think a big issue that people have with making more growth hormone or, or being able to absorb more growth hormone their own is they're making little mistakes that they're not aware of. And I think if we can make bring you guys some awareness today, this will help you kind of tweak some of the process that you do every day. And then you'll start seeing this, this healing, this repair, this recovery on the other end. Yeah. They bring up an important, like just overarching topic and that's catabolic states and versus anabolic states. Most of us are aware of the terminology of anabolic. You might think of anabolic steroids and, you know, gym, you know, sitting in the gym, pumping iron and, and really, you know, pumping up the muscle, but, but anabolism is, is really, you know, it's an important process of repair uh, as well as growth and development of our muscle, but it's, it's really, unfortunately not really appreciated from this whole recovery mindset. I mean, if you've tuned in our podcast, you've heard us, you know, harp or sort of soapbox, uh, this whole concept of being recovery focused, really focused on what is the parasympathetic state look like to be able to be in that rest, repair, digest state. That's really your anabolic state. That's really where growth and repair and maintenance happens. And the opposite side of that catabolism, that's where we're breaking down. And so if we're stuck in an acidic state, for example, like people with high uric acid levels or um, high acidity levels in there or liver enzymes are out of whack or you know there's some objective markers that might um, uh, highlight uh, the fact that we're stuck in an acidity we're more likely to be breaking down our muscle and bone and we're not getting what we need out of our diets because they're you know highly processed or they're highly sugar or you know high grain or you know whatever the issue is that's driving inflammation in the body that's keeping us more in that catabolic state like you said the pregnenolone jump or the higher cortisol state versus the anabolic side so it's not a surprise that we're in our modern culture we're in that sort of gas pedal down from the emotional system go go get things done productivity is the most important thing one could do and you know uh you know, not going to see the doctor, getting stuck in reactive medicine, you know, uh, not focusing on recovery, just, you know, oh, I, you know, it's another thing I'm not going to pay attention to. I'm not broken. So, you know, it's, it's not working great, but it's not broken. So I'm just going to push through. This whole idea is keeping us more in that, that high stress state, which is where we're more conducive to, to breaking down. So well, we're back to that saying, right? stress plus rest mm -hmm. equals growth i gotta tell you man the majority of the people that i start having problems with recovery or healing when i look at their process throughout the week you know they have a full-time job they go to the gym let's say five six days a week they're just busy people right they travel i mean they're always on the go and they run into these hurdles throughout the year of like, oh, I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with this and it's not going away. And I you know, and it's funny how quickly once I tell them, well, let's do this. Why don't we go to the gym three times a week for a while? And they look at me like, no, like, you crazy? I, you can't take away my other three days of working out. And I'll tell them like, look, 
I want you to train three days a week. You can do like active recovery on a couple other days, but I don't want you doing anything crazy. I want you maybe walking or doing yoga or doing something chill on those other days. But I don't want you doing like your training like you've been doing all week. And I said, you need to have some downtime. And it's funny, the moment they do that, the sleep improves and their energy starts coming back and their digestion gets better. And like the body starts to thrive again, right? And again, it's just, I think people get in this mindset of the more you do, the more you grow. And that's, that's wrong. Yeah. It, it really is wrong. Like the secret of the sauce is, is timing the recovery and the rest in increments while you're, while you're getting work done. Right. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about that today. Right. With growth hormone, because you can really just kind of like block all your growth hormone from doing, making little mistakes throughout the day. And that's why you're not really getting any growth and repair and, and recovery. Yeah. So what's, what's the prime time for growth hormone release? So, I mean, you get a big burst in the morning, right? I mean, let's just start there. The first thing in the morning, we're getting a big dump. We're getting a big dump of cortisol, testosterone, growth hormone. I mean, we get a, a nice solid dump of hormones in the morning when you wake up in the morning. This is a big reason why I tell a lot of my patients to work out in the morning yeah. versus late in the evenings. I said, look, you're getting your biggest burst in the morning. This is an ideal time to do your exercise and do some of these other things because there's an abundance of these things in the system. So I would say like starting just from understanding that the biggest burst is morning time. Now let's talk about this. You were talking about cortisol. If you're noticing in the morning as you're dragging ass, excuse my language, but you're tired, you're not feeling rested, getting out of bed, prime example that there's too much cortisol in your system and you're basically depleted. So you get to a point where like when you're dumping too much cortisol, you're good and you can keep up. But then eventually you go into what's called adrenal fatigue. And that's basically just meaning that like your neuroendocrine system has been ramped up for so long because there's been, you've been in chronic stress to the point, And I always get this analogy, your adrenal glands and, and the parts of your body that make uh, like norepinephrine, epinephrine, some of these things, think of like glasses of water that have like a full glass of adrenaline, but little by little, the more stress you're under that glass starts to deplete. And then let's say two weeks into like a busy schedule, you're running at high RPMs, that gas pedals down all the way. Eventually that, that glass is just depleted. So you've only got a little bit in the tank. And then when you're still under stress, you just kind of, there's nothing, there's nothing left. And then once the neuroendocrine, neuroendocrine backup system kind of runs out of juice, you go into neural fatigue, which means the neural system can't keep up with the stress you're placing on your body. Yeah. So if you're dragging in the morning and you're noticing you're hitting the snooze button, you can't get out of bed, your cortisol is low, you're in the dumps. And the reason is because you've already exhausted most of it, which means that you're at the tail end of already being under a lot of stress. So of course, when we're there, we're not going to see a lot of these repair hormones in abundance, right? Because yeah. you just kind of like your system's out of gas. Yeah. Beautiful. So the one we just nailed down, like, okay, exercise in the morning, ideally you exercise in a fasted state, right? Because that's going to yeah. accentuate and help to stimulate more growth hormone. Again, for the purpose of repair, when you're lifting weights, when you're doing something that challenges your body, the adaptation is to move into repair. That's what your body wants to do and wants to signal the release of testosterone growth hormone so that you can start to like put those tissues back together because with, with weights, especially you're tearing muscle, you're, you're 
causing that stimulus for hypertrophy in the muscle. And like, so there's all these repair chemicals and stimulate uh, stimulants for repair that are, that are getting released. What do most people do right after the gym? They eat immediately, man. You'll, you'll see the banana, the apple, the shake and the gym bag. And like, they're walking yeah. out and they're already slamming something. Right. Totally. And I, I always tell people like, that's that conventional wisdom that that's been passed around for a very long time. And honestly, it's really bad advice it, it, it's it's working you're working against yourself here the moment you trigger insulin right after you train like that you're blocking all that growth hormone from being able to be absorbed by your cells yeah. you know insulin's like this double-edged sort of growth hormone if it goes up and cortisol goes up your growth hormone and its ability to be absorbed into the system starts to drop out and yeah. so then we're at a loss for getting like nick saying this growth factor that helps build muscle repair recover and also fat burning hormone because it helps us burn fat so if you're someone trying to lose weight and you're doing that that meal within the first you know 15 minutes after you're done training you're not going to get there you're, you're working against your own body's internal mechanisms to help it do do it for you so like nick was saying of course in the morning if you train don't eat before because you don't want to trigger insulin either but you got to wait at least a solid hour after you yeah. work out before you put anything in your system. Mm -hmm. Like I just went to the gym at like two or like one forty-five today, got out at two forty-five, and I'm waiting about an hour before I eat. It's, it's been right about an hour right when you and me wrap up the podcast, I'm going to go mm -hmm. eat something, but I know better not to eat. Now I didn't always, I used mm -hmm. to be that guy, you know, slamming protein shakes right after, but my physique was very different back then. And then it is now because I know better back then I was always swollen and puffy. Mm -hmm. Like I had muscle, but I, I was swollen and puffy. Couldn't burn fat efficiently. I wasn't honestly burning. I wasn't making muscle efficiently, but I was able to get there. But now that I know better, I build muscle so much faster. I recover faster and I burn fat like, like a badass, basically. Like yeah. it's crazy how efficient my, my, my body is at burning fat. But all these little things we were talking about today is how I got there. You know, the whole, like the little, these little time window things are, are a big piece of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we, we sort of touched on the, the protein shake, but you know, here's the reality. And, and if you hadn't listened to our podcast, we, we did with Dr. David Minkoff. I mean, he really you know lays it out in a, in a beautiful way. He also wrote the book called searching for the perfect protein, which is a really easy read and, and very helpful, but most by and large, most proteins, especially the processed protein, the protein powders, the branch chain amino acids, these things are very insulin invoking. Uh, these, when it says 30 grams of protein in the back, you're lucky if you're getting maybe 5% of that 15%, you know, into the form of amino acids, which are needed for repair and recovery. The rest is getting, you know, whether it be broken down or uh, is sugar the the end the end result though is this massive surge in insulin which is stopping all that growth hormone from getting released well, so then we're in catabolism right like so exactly like yeah. for people to get a picture with nick saying when you're taking the wrong aminos and putting the wrong protein in you get a uh, like he's saying an insulin spike and then your body is not going towards the anabolic pathway to repair and start rebuilding. It's going to a catabolic pathway where you're just really ramping up blood sugar and then you're not getting anything out of it. And like Nick's saying, there's tons of companies that are preaching that these amino acids are doing wonders and they honestly don't. You yeah. know, he's made an amazing product with the type of aminos he uses. And the cool thing is, is they show that you're going to get that anabolism post 
workout or whenever you're taking these things and you're going to get that building that you want, you know, and if you're spending yeah. the money and in investing in supplements, make sure you're putting the right stuff in your body. Yeah. Yeah. And if we looked at like what causes muscle, muscle, <laughs> what causes muscle growth, I try to say growth and mu muscle at the same time, what causes muscle growth is the hormone response, right? It's the adaptation from the stimulus from, from the exercise. So you want to like, you want to build on that process and essentially insulin, the opposition hormone is literally telling your body to store fat. That's, you know, it's, it's not telling the body to repair the muscle and, and whatnot. Now, now there's a ton of people that have followed the, the old paradigm where you're, you know, you're, you're crushing the, the protein shakes and you're doing all this thing. You're getting a lot of bulk. You're getting a lot of swollen people with messed up digestive systems because you're just constantly pushing that insulin you can still grow by by pushing insulin uh you do enough you know workouts or whatever you're you know and you change your diet of course but you're just hitting the protein super hard you're still going to grow but you're putting on this unhealthy muscle versus a really finely tuned muscle so growth hormone is allowing for this process of autophagy but also fat burning so as growth hormone rise, rises and surges, you're getting more of this repair, you're getting more of this autophagy process, more of this fat burning. And autophagy is basically breaking down proteins and debris in the body that's not serving us. It's like inflammatory tissue. It's it needs to be eliminated from the body. And so we want these signaling times, especially post-exercise, meal timing, the kinds of foods we put in our body, obviously all these things are gonna play a role. And really noticing the time of day you work out because there's there's data to show that even like late night workouts aren't great for growth hormone it's starting starting to mess with the whole melatonin cycle at nighttime so you know even being aware of that now david brought up something interesting i think it's worth mentioning <clears throat> sometimes those gym workouts are going to happen in the middle of the day you know or or early afternoon that's still fine and from from some of the the data and the expert experts that I've listened to it's that's like your prime time for really hitting heavy weights is like sometime in the middle of the day where the morning might be easier with a flow or, you know, some of the primal movement stuff or some of the hit, but really you can, you can go a little bit harder in the middle of the day. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the exercise variation that one can implement yeah. through the day? Well, I'll give a, a, qu a quick story, man. So, you know, when I was in college and I played ball at UTEP, I initially was at the 530 lifting group. And that was a that was a blast. Can't tell you how much I enjoyed that one, buddy. So I was always up like at 430, got dressed really quick. There's like a 20 minute drive to the university. And then I had weights had to be ready to start lifting at 530. And it was interesting, man. We would train. I think I was in that 530 group for about six months. And during that six month period, I had like little to no gains yeah. in any of my numbers in the gym when we were lifting weights and this was all only lifting. Right. And then after that six month period, I got moved to the 1230 lifting group. So of course I was super psyched because I'm not a morning person or I am now, but I wasn't back then at all. So I got moved to 1230 and it was crazy, man. Like honestly, within about six weeks, all of my numbers, my lifting numbers went up probably by at least 20 to 30%. Yeah. So to what you're saying, there is some magic in figuring out where you're going to thrive the best throughout the day with your workouts. You know, I, I don't, you know, now I do much better in the mornings than I used to. So mm -hmm. I would tell you, like, my body has changed and I can probably still get that, that growth with early morning workouts if I wanted to. 
but my go-to usually like you're saying is in the morning i'll do like primal movement gmb stuff yoga mm -hmm. stuff that just opens me up and we stretch yeah. out in the body glove right and then i like working out more like midday early afternoon and i never work out late yeah you know and like nick's saying the studies show that when you work out late and you're doing I would say moderate to intense type exercise, you're ramping up cortisol. Yeah. And we don't want to do that in the evenings right before we go to bed. You know, we want cortisol to be dropping off at the end of the day. So if you're one of these people that's working out really late, you're not noticing maybe you're not sleeping great or you're not as rested the following day or you're not recovering, it may just be your workout time. Um, I mean, I'm not saying you can't work out, but it's not going to be moderate to intense exercise. I mean, if, if I was to do anything late in the evenings, it would be like yoga or something mm -hmm. chill again. You know, that sweet spot, I would say, for this inten intense type stuff is either morning to about 4 p.m. Yeah. And then after that, you kind of want to be dropping <clears throat> off a little bit. So, you know, it, the timing is huge. There's a lot of magic in the timing. So we talked about timing of, when you eat after you work out and then before if you're eating or not and then now we're talking about when you work out because yeah. that's that's an important piece too yeah and there's there's so many nuances here too like let's say someone's um you know training for a marathon you know what we're, that's a whole that's like a whole different conversation there's different like aspects to repair and that's the 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 hormone rule still applies so you just have to navigate it differently but what we're who we're addressing i guess in this conversation is is not the professional athlete not the person who's uh, right. running the marathon this is, these are people that, like you and me or you know people who are making exercise a priority uh or have yet to really start to really understand some of these dynamics and then whatever that individual's goal is obviously that's where unique tweaking needs to happen but that's that's, that's sort of like one of the things i want to say and the other thing there's some interesting information just on like taking your muscle to ultimate fatigue like do you want to talk a little bit about like that hormone response yeah, when we're just like pushing it so hard, uh, whether it be the gym or on the field or whatever it is you do. Yeah, so that was interesting. You sent me that article, and I I, I thought that was a really good point because nobody really talks about that, right? Again, we're we're in this like more stress is better. Mm -hmm. so a lot of people get into the gym and they they lift weights, for example, and they'll take their their muscles to failure with some lifts, right? Like they'll do three or four sets, and then they'll do like a superset maybe at the end of those sets and they'll go to failure. And the problem with that, believe it or not, is that's working against you. You know, there's this big component of putting stress on the body to a certain threshold to where let's say you're doing a set of 10 and you want those last two reps to burn, or you're doing high reps and you're at the 15 rep count, those last three reps to burning. I would tell everybody that would be okay, but you shouldn't be going to the point where like, your, your muscles are just exhausted when you leave the gym, like you just overdid it. Because the moment you do that again, we're shredding off all these mechanisms and the body basically is going to have a much harder time trying to repair and recover. Yeah. Uh, you know, what was it? They're talking about the nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. This is more of a nervous system thing. You know, our, our nervous system has to recover from, from your exercise too. So if you do any of these, like I would say these hit workouts sometimes, and maybe you've just had enough, Sometimes you got to just tell yourself, okay, I'm done. Mm -hmm. You don't just keep going to exhaustion because the moment you do that, you just blew all that time in the gym and you, you didn't get anything out of it. Yeah. And so you're, and you're upregulating that cortisol response like you discussed before, hugely, right? Hugely, right? Yeah. So even if this is in the morning or like midday, I'm still working against myself because yeah. I took something that was supposed to help me grow 
and like try to build my body. And then I completely ruined it in the time that I was in the gym because I overdid it. And this is why I'm big. You know, I mentioned this, I think last week or the week before, this is why I'm huge. I'm not predetermining what your workout's going to be that next day mm-hmm. because you don't know how you're going to feel that day. Yeah. You know, you and me are bigger about talking about like the aura ring or the whoop band and like looking at your recovery index and then knowing what to go to. But if I'm not recovering well and I'm maybe a little tired that day, I'm not going to force myself to go do a hit workout because that's what I planned on doing like on a, on a Wednesday yeah. or a Thursday. To my calendar, um, man. You got to you gotta follow what it says in the calendar. But, but that was how it was back in the day, oh, right? I, I mean, I when we were athletes, you didn't get to pick. I mean, that was you just had to show up. Yeah. But I'm, I'm much better now about, you know, I, I, I don't want to call it throwing in the towel because it's not, but like, I just know when I'm done. Yeah. Like today, you know, I'm working on this GMB stuff, trying to build my foundation again, because I'm getting back in the gym before I touch any weights. And I, I was joking with my buddy. I said, I'm starting to feel pukey. I'm done. Like that was my, that was my indicator. I got a little nauseous. Yeah. My head started pounding a little bit and I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm done. The old me would have just kept trying to go a little bit, but no, I mean, I'm done. Like, and what totally. for, right? Like, that was my body, my own physiology telling me like, hey, you're stressing me out now. Like, yeah. that's it for the day. And so that's, having... It's interesting you had that. Because, like, I literally yeah. just had that on Friday. I was working on my trainer. I'm like, I, 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 did, the, I did the assault bike before. Okay. And that, man, this, have you done the assault bike before? Which one is that? The one with the... It's like the... Yeah, it's like the it's like this wind machine. Like, you're getting all this, like, yeah, yeah. cooling air at you. But, yeah, man, yeah. it's a pain in the ass. And, yeah. and that one like that effect of doing that bike lingered with me but to the point where at some point i was working out with the trainer i'm like you know i'm getting a little nauseous i think i'm then we gotta slow this down or like yeah. shift it whereas before i would have been like no you're not no like that's nothing like just move through it just fight through it but you know i, I love that you brought that up and i didn't mean to interject but i just yeah i had that same feeling and i, I told the trainer like listen let's let's shift things here because uh i'm not gonna vomit on you or in your floor but uh, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling great and I need to change it. Well, it's awareness, right? Like listen yeah. to your body while you're at the gym, like have some awareness of where you're at. Like some days you may be able to push it a little bit more and there might be a little bit more in the tank and you're good. But other days, like don't overdo it. Like yeah. your, your body's going to be in a different place every day. Just have that awareness of where you're at and work with where you are. And, yeah. and that will pay off a whole lot more than just forcing things on the body. Because like Nick was saying earlier, we're not building our body in the gym. Mm-hmm. And I can't like stress that enough to everybody. You've got to flip your mindset on yes. this piece. We don't build the body in the gym. You build yeah. it after you leave the gym. Mm-hmm. And I would say like with these type of processes we're talking about. So if you're, if you're not doing these little things right, you're not going to get the growth that you're looking at for because the rest and all these other pieces aren't in place. Yeah. So yes, the gym is important, but it's a small piece of that whole big process that we have to carry out to get the results that we want. And really, if you fine tune this stuff, it's a whole lot easier mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to reach your goals with this stuff than it is when you don't. Yeah. And like you and me talk about it all the time. Like we wish we had known what we know now back then, because man, it was like, we were just like a bunch different of athletes. athletes hitting our head yeah. up against the wall thinking more, 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 mm-hmm. more, right? And yeah. like, it never worked out. It didn't work out for me anyway. No, definitely. 
Well, so two two other things that are super important when it comes to growth hormone. So fasting and then that sleep quality at nighttime. Yeah. Let's so I know we've talked time. to yeah, we've talked a ton about fasting, but just just quickly, we talked about the the exercise in a fasted state. Absolutely. Plan for one to two hours of fasting post post workout. Um, that's a that's a good strategy to so really let your body bathe in that growth hormone post workout. Um, and then the longer fasts, like the intermittent fasting, the 24 hour fasting, the block fasting, fasting puts you into state, which is going to allow for growth hormone to rise, which means more cleanup, more autophagy, better fat burning, you know, lower insulin, which is what this whole mechanism is all about. I mean, we've talked a ton about fasting, but we definitely just need to highlight it there. Anything else you want to say on fasting before we jump um, to, to growth hormone you know, to sleep? Just for our women, if women are listening, rules are a little different for you all, you know, yeah. um, the big thing we'll talk to a lot of women about is you guys kind of probably have to eat a little bit quicker after you work out because hormonally you guys are built a little bit differently. So if you're yeah. doing some of these intermittent fasts and then you're going to have like a mid morning workout or midday workout, you know, usually what I'll tell people, I'll tell my women is like they can eat a couple hours before their workout, depending on if it's like mid, like mid morning. Yeah go ahead and eat breakfast because they've already been fasting throughout the night and maybe the evening before. Or if it's an early morning workout, I'll say, we'll do a fasted workout, but you need to eat right after. Mm -hmm. And so women have a little bit of different tweaks there. And it helps to work with someone like me and Nick to help you tweak these little things because there's different rules. But these are primarily kind of general rules we give for, for our male population but yeah. a little bit of tweaks for, for the females. Yeah. And then knowing um, their cycle too, obviously. And then, yeah, your cycle is big, right? Like, yeah. um, uh, you kind of want to like back off on the fasting a little bit right around your, your menses you know, period yeah. time. Usually it's about 10 days. A woman yeah. will start craving more carbs. Exactly. And I tell them like, given like have yeah. more carbs, that's when you or even more protein more at that time and, too. Yeah. More right? protein yeah. or carbs. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if you notice as a woman, you'll notice about 10 days before your period, you just are craving a little bit more and don't yeah. ignore that. Don't ignore that. It's okay to give into it at that point. Like, yeah. like, we're, like we're saying, totally. so sleep, man, let's talk about sleep. Cause this is the other big, I think overlook for a lot yeah. of people when they're trying to build their bodies and, and trying to repair and recover just in general. Uh, everyone, you release a lot of growth hormone during your deep sleep cycle and me and nick talk about this you know that deep sleep cycle is that restorative recovery sleep and it's very noticeable when you miss this chunk of your sleep this is the very front end of your sleep cycle yeah so like you can get a lot of REM sleep wake up and you just don't feel like your body got good recovery but if you get that good solid deep sleep at the beginning, you feel like a million bucks when you wake up the next day. You feel completely restored and recovered. And where a lot of people go wrong on this one, man, is we have the late night eating. So a lot of people like to dip into the little cookies in the pantry or I just had a little snack before I went to bed. Or they're going to bed too late and they're actually missing that deep sleep cycle because they, they stayed up too late, possibly. Totally. Yeah. And then, you know, being appreciative of, of that insulin response too, right? Because if we're going to bed and we've been crushing snacks since we finished dinner, you know, the likelihood of getting that deep sleep is so low, but the, but the main problem is we're stuck in insulin, uh, you know, in some level of insulin resistance. Dr. Sachin Panda talks a lot about that with people with shift work or the late night eating. Our pancreas literally wants to sleep at nighttime and it's getting 
uh, messaging from melatonin to like to stop its eff efficacy and, and how insulin actually responds. So those of you who maybe don't know, insulin's grabbing or stimulating um, the body to release or to, to pull sugar out of the blood so that it can get into the cells. And, and unfortunately in doing so too, it's also going to be stuck in that stage of fat uh, storage. So knowing your meal timing and, and really, I, I mean, this is where objective analysis, like get, getting a fasting insulin is super valuable. I mean, you, even testing your growth hormone is valuable. You know, looking at melatonin or getting a sleep tracking device to really look at how the dynamics of these hormones are operating through your day. Obviously, looking at testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, DHEA, sex hormone binding globulin, looking at all these markers is super valuable when it when it comes to looking at how you're doing metabolically, how repair is going, recovery is going. Um, but everything that we're speaking to here is is how you set yourself up for sleep is really going to determine the, that release of growth hormone at nighttime. Well, the other thing I would tell is your your hygiene before, like, what are you doing before bed? Like if you're someone who likes watching TV, what are you watching? Like if you're watching things yeah. like scary movies or like some people like those cold case file shows and they get into that weird TV watching stuff, that's probably ramping cortisol up before bed. That's not the type of hormones you want ramping off based off your viewing choices, right? Exactly. So number one, like you want to, you shouldn't be watching TV at least, I would say at least an hour before bed. Okay. But number two, like if you are, watch something that's making you laugh like a comedy or something that's bringing like a lot of happiness. These, these feel good hormones versus yeah. like the, you know, the scary or you know, some of these other stuff, because again, you can ramp up cortisol real easy. If you're, if you're watching things, I mean, Clarissa is big on that. She's like, Oh, I don't want to watch. She won't watch certain things in the evenings because she, it ramps her up a little bit. Right. Like yeah. we were trying to get into that stranger things on Netflix and it's a cool show but it's, it's a little scary. Right. So like, that's not a go-to for her in the evenings kind of deal. Totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, having that, that, that process to wind you down in the evenings, number one, like we're saying, not snacking, but even like journaling, reading a book, things that help start calming your body down. You gotta, you gotta slow the car down. You know, some people are running that, that car, like at 90, hundred miles an hour all day long. And then it's like they get home and they're still running it at like 60 miles an hour. And then it's time to go to bed and they just go in the room and they try to go to bed and that's not going to work out real well. Right. So like yeah. having a process uh, in the evenings is, is it pays off a lot. Definitely. So, I mean, other things that I see a ton uh, or not a ton, but enough uh, men wanting to get a growth hormone prescription and, and do exogenous growth hormone. Um, well, I'm, I'm basically everything that, that we just talked about. These are all strategies I first, you know, get, get our male patients on. It's typically, I mean, I guess women would ask for it sometimes too, but it's definitely much more common in men. And it's typically more common in people who have had an injury. You know, what we encourage most people, I, I'm not opposed to using exogenous hormones with a caveat. Uh, if you haven't done any of this preliminary stuff, like I always tell people, I, I'm, I think it's an absolute waste of time to just throw a bunch of growth hormone into the body without doing any of this, this work. Like when it comes to hormones, you want them to be able to be re received by the cells. So even like from a detoxification point of view, you want healthy cell membranes. You want those fatty acids, amino acids, you want your communication system nailed down. So many people have growth hormone deficiency just because they haven't fixed the metabolics. They're not doing anything with sleep. They're eating too late at nighttime. They're not in a recovery mindset whatsoever. And so 
that's essentially putting an exogenous hormone into a probably an insulin dominant state, which is a completely unnatural rhythm for the body to ever be in. And so I really discourage people just jumping into the growth hormone when they're already insulin dominant and they're not doing any of this preliminary stuff. Um, would there be a role for an injury? Sure. But again, like set your body up for success first. Um, maybe do some fasting first, like prepare your body. If there's still maybe a need, maybe there'll be a role for it. But again, I mean, this may be a, a discussion for a future episode, but this is also where you could look at the uh, growth hormone releasing hormone peptides and some other things that can actually be really advantageous to stimulate uh, your body's growth hormone. So again, that's a bigger conversation, but uh, you must run into this as well. No, I'm glad you said that. I That's kind of my big thing. I, I bring that up first, man, when people ask me about that. I get a lot yeah. of questions about that. Doc, what do you think about testosterone or growth hormone injections, all these things? I say, look, if you're not doing all the other things right first and, and really letting this innate, okay, like, you know, what people need to understand is your body internally already has all this stuff. Yeah. And what we're speaking to today is a process and these little small tweaks for you to improve things so that you get the most out of what your body already expresses. I mean, I always talk about maximizing the expression of the perfection within that perfection is already there. Love that. You just need to, to reorganize sometimes the way you're doing things to allow that to express itself. You know, and I'm with you, like you, you can't skip that and then start jumping just to, let me just start injecting myself with exogenous hormones. Cause like Nick's saying, you don't have the foundation yeah. when you do that and it's not helping your health at all. Yeah. You may see changes in your physique and <clears throat> recover, but you, you, it's, it's not natural and it's not a good way for the body. It's going to throw the body out of more and a more imbalance, honestly, in the long term, I believe. Mm -hmm. So you might be surprised at the magic that happens when you apply some of these things that me and Nick are talking about, because it's been life-changing for me, but it was just one of those, those things, buddy, where I was always aware, but I never accepted certain principles. And now that I have in my life, when I actually put these things to the, you know, into play, it pays off, man. And, 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 yeah. it's, and it's, it's kind of just neat watching the body do what it was designed to do. Totally. And that, that's a, that's a cool thing. Like I, I you know, it puts a responsibility back on the individual, but there, there's some really interesting stats. Like, yeah, the article is sharing too, like if people are doing a longer block fast, you get, you know, 1200% plus increase in growth hormone release, you know, um, boost in testosterone, like even doing a shorter, like 24 hour fast, you're getting massive surges in this hormone. Like when you optimize your sleep, you're, you're, you're building on that. You, you exercise in a fasted state and you delay your eating couple hours afterwards and again you're maximizing your your natural endogenous response and so there's so much empowerment here i think when it comes to growth hormone and ability to actually really tap into that reservoir or re-stimulate or recultivate it within the body and you know it just it has everything to do with adaptation and, and putting your body in that right environment um so super important there and and you know amino acids you know amino acids are great tools to help stimulate uh the the precursors for growth hormone as is getting with the right fatty acids, the, you know, therapeutic nutrition of, of some of these core nutrients that really can help to build things up. And so, you know, at that point, you know, whatever happens from an exogenous point of view, that's a, obviously a discussion between you and your doctor, but <clears throat> doing this preliminary stuff is essential in my mind. 
I love the way you, when you said cultivation, right? Cultivation. Because that's honestly what you're doing. It's cultivating. And you got to have all the right pieces in place. You got to be doing the right things. And like, like Nick was saying with the aminos, everybody, aminos don't, aren't just building blocks for muscle and tissue. It's building blocks for hormones, like you just said. Yeah. Enzymes. So if you're deficient in yeah. these aminos, you're not making, you can't make these hormones. You can't make these enzymes. You can't make these things. So very, very important to get the right, like, like we're saying, the right type of protein, the right aminos there. And, and like me and Nick, we're, we're big, big supporters of, of like body health and, and yeah. some of these things. So, totally. yeah. All right, brother. I think that's good. I mean, that's a lot of important stuff on growth hormone. And I mean, we'd love to hear from you guys. Like when you, when you guys are implementing this stuff, what's working for you, what's not, what have you tried? Um, it's always nice to hear from the audience, you know, whether it be commenting on YouTube or on the Podbean platform or um, on the website, I think there might be some feedback on there. So, you know, wherever you can, you know, we want to hear what you guys are implementing and what questions you have. We want to know, you know, what do you want to, what do you, what kind of guests do you want? What, what do you want to, what do you want to listen to? What kind of topics do you think are important to discuss? Um, yeah, we love hearing from you. So been getting a lot of love man i had some people reach out to me uh yesterday saying man i'm loving the podcast <clears throat> loving the topics you guys are talking about so like next thing we want to hear from you all like the more we hear from you the more we know kind of what you want to hear more about or what you want to learn more about and we're we're here to we're here to guide you awesome david always a pleasure my man you too brother yeah we'll love see you, you soon love you too Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.